Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings, love and light, and welcome to another edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I'm your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I am a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. We have a special show for you tonight. We are going to be talking about the real on real estate. You know, there have been a lot of changes in the housing market over the past several years, and we've heard new terminologies, things that we had never heard of before, flipping and wholesaling and buying and selling and all these other things. (laughs) We're like, huh, what? And, you know, it's hard to make heads or tails of it sometimes, but it's been a very interesting time in the life of real estate. And I have a beautiful guest with me this evening who is going to talk to us about the real on real estate. So as is customary with the How Now podcast, I'm going to have her introduce herself at this time. Well, good evening. I am Rapunzel Morris. I am the associate broker at Remax Unlimited. I also run my business in real estate, which is Rapunzel Morris and Associates. That's the name of my team. Uh-huh. Um, I've been in real estate about 18 years, and uh, over the past 18 years, uh, a lot has changed. Real estate is an evolving up and down, changing, constantly changing market. And uh, this past year has, uh, wow, what can I say? It's been been a lot. And it's so funny because as soon as you think, you know, you're, we're good, then it changes. So uh, being in the market, being a realtor for 18 years have allowed me to to ebb and flow, you know, uh, go through the hills and the valleys of the world of real estate. And uh, it it keeps you on your toes. So I I love it. I still love it, even though um, it's it's a constant changing uh, industry, I should say. Yes. Yeah. So welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you here and uh, we're going to dive right in. Okay. So we'll always start post, uh, you know, well, pre-pandemic because that's a good place to start because that's when things really took an even larger turn than we typically experience. So how was the market right before the pandemic hit? Oh, I was so excited. I had a whole theme. It was 2020. So my theme for, for the 2020 was, hey, we had 2020 vision. Mm-hmm. We are about to rock and roll in this real estate market. And buyers were, uh, everybody was very um, optimistic. So sellers, we were starting to get more homes on the market. Uh-huh. Um, you know, since the, since the market crashed in 2008 to 2010, 11, um, it, you know, it's been a seller's market. So, mm-hmm. and, and we, always, we had an inventory issue for a while. But right at the end of 2019, more you know, people feel more confident. Sellers were feeling, feeling more confident. So they began to put their houses on market, nice. which was great. I had several sellers who called me and said, hey, I'm ready to sell my house. 
I had a lot of buyers who were wanting to buy because the interest rates are were very low. Right. And I thought, wow, this is great. We are about to rock and roll. Had <laughs> set my goals, had worked with my personal coach. I have a have a real estate coach. Nice. Had worked with my coach, had set all the 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 goals for 2020. And we were actually, we were rolling. We were, we had, we were out there uh with buyers, you know, take a little longer to find something, but we were finding homes and mm-hmm. Uh, sellers were calling and ready to put their houses on the market. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> stop. Right. In, like, comes, in comes the pandemic. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, we were rocking and rolling until about March. Mm. Soon as March hit, the pandemic hit. And what happened was, Kim, uh, we stopped because we didn't know, like everybody else, we didn't know what was going to happen. Right. You know, we were told to stay home. So that's what we we all did. And so we couldn't show houses and we didn't know what that was going to look like because if everybody's home, nobody wants you in their house. I mean, people are dying. Nobody wants people to come in their house and and know whether or not you had the virus or whatever. So uh, we had to pivot, needless to say. Yeah, yeah. So I can imagine because now you have, people who may have been in the process of closing or we're going to close that particular week. And now all of a sudden that's on hold. I mean, even though they wanted the house, were you able to do any transactions like that? Just at least finish some of the closings on the houses that had already been, you know, signed off on or, or had already gone into that. Um, I forgot the terminology when they're, when they're going into escrow, 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 Escrow. going into escrow. Yes. Well, yes. And we did. And that was a good thing. The good news was that anyone who was in the middle of their transaction, Mm -hmm. it didn't stop their transaction. So we were able to go ahead and close people who were under contract, Uh, even homes that we had on the market. um, I had a couple of homes on the market. They were vacant. So that made it easy because people could go and see it without disturbing the, the homeowner because they were, they had already moved. So it made it a lot easier. And we just didn't know what to do. They start talking about virtual showings and that was, that's okay. But at the end of the day, if you're buying a home, you're not going to purchase that home until you walk it. That's right. right. That's so, right. you know, people started doing, I never did the virtual because for me, home is a very important thing for a person. And I know that um, I, you know, as a realtor taking photos, if there's a hole in the ceiling, I'm not going to take that photo. Nice. So we, there's ways we can work around things in a house that doesn't look so great. So because we know that as realtors or because I know that as a realtor, I would not let a buyer purchase the home before they, you know, walked it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were down long. I mean, it was maybe, I think the month of April, because that's when really the governor and everyone had asked everybody to stay home. So I just contacted all of my clients. And um, of course, everybody knew what was going on. But I, you know, got on the phone, talked to everybody, say, hey, this is where we are. Um, Let's just take a moment to just, you know, stay home like they advised us to do. And as soon as we know that we can go back out, we'll go back out and find your home. And, And everybody was good with that. They were like, "Okay, great, we'll do that. And that's, and that's good because, you know, sometimes when things like this happen, there are some people who say, well, you know, this is just a sign. I'm pulling out. I'm pulling back. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do that. This must mean that I'm not supposed to have a house right now. So, I'll, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll let it go. And so, I mean, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm sure that you had to talk a few people in off of the ledge, you know, as, as a result of that, you know, because, 
Right. You know, the excitement is there. And then, you know, as time passes, the excitement wears off if there isn't anything else that, that you can do to keep that momentum going. So with, with, with that thought, you know, what are some of the things that you were possibly able to, to you know, talk to your, to your uh, you know, potential uh, customers about or clients about, you know, uh, at, you know, during that downtime, were you able to talk to them about, you know, other things that they could be doing in preparation for home ownership? Like, did you use that as a time to do, give the, you know, do a little bit of coaching? Oh, absolutely. We, we, and, and we're, you know, we are coaches in a sense from, mm-hmm. from a real estate standpoint, because a lot of our buyers, especially if you're a first time home buyer and even people who bought homes before, but it's been a long time, yes. the process changes. And so, you know, it's good information to just sit there and walk them through the process. So I did a lot of that. Thanks to zoom. I started doing, um, home buyer uh, consultations on Zoom, nice. uh, you know, so we do consultations on Zoom versus meeting with them personally because we couldn't do that anymore. Wow. So just like the rest of the world, we pivoted and, and changed how we did business. Yeah. So, uh, and, and it, and it kind of, it worked out really well because I was able to walk, take time, walk people through the home buying process. I would email them over the, the documentation and we'd go through it one by one. And then if they had any questions, I could just answer the questions and we could dialogue about any concerns, uh, you know, what was their fears? What were they excited about? Because, you know, buying a home, it's an exciting time, but it's also a scary and nervous time for a lot of home buyers. And so I just, you know, know that we're going to, I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to hold your hand. We're going to get through this process from contract to close and, uh, and it's going to be okay. And, uh, and when people, I, I use a little term that says when people, 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 um, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. So my big thing is to make sure that people know I care about the, the home that they're, they're looking for, for them and their families, because it's, you know, this is where people live. That's, that's what you do when you move into a home. It's, it's that place. And I, I like to say, I, I try to find a person, a house that would home that will rise up to meet them because yeah. after a long day's work, when you get home, you want to just go, you know, this is so you want it to rise up. This is like, welcome home, you know, after a long day's work. So uh, that's what we look for, especially when I'm working with buyers, got to make sure they get a home that just kind of rise up to meet them at the end of the day. And I think that that's wonderful as you say that, because just like you said, home ownership is something that is so you know, their, their emotional ties. For some right. people, it's their first home. For some people, you know, even growing up, they remember being in their childhood home. So the homes have significance, you right. know? And, and you know, at, for me personally, my home, you know, I've been, I've been in my home for 24 years. I bought this house when I was 27 years old, back in 1997. And, and I bought this home and, and, it, and it, it's, it's always been, you know, my foundation. Like you mm-hmm. said, it's been a place of solace. And so I love that you say it's a home. It's not just the house that you're buying. You're creating a home. You're creating memories. Right. So, so there's definitely impact in that. And that's that more of that, that personal side of, of real estate. It's not just buying and selling property. It's, it's, you know, finding someone a home, finding someone a foundation on which to build. And so right. I think that that's great that you have an opportunity to you know, talk to your, uh, you know, your uh, potential clients and, and talk about what that looks like. And that, you know, where, where, you know, you would think that the virtual, like you said, the virtual would be a good thing. 
you know, sometimes, you know, you're not going to catch all those corners. You might not catch that little watermark that's up in the corner yeah. on that ceiling. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> because you, you want the person to buy the house, but at the same time, you want them to know that, you know, we're not going to allow you to miss a spot. We want you to be, Absolutely. you know, comfortable in, in making that, that choice. So, right. so it's interesting that, you know, even though the virtual is there and the technology is there, sometimes there's still that personal touch that has to take place. Okay, so you said that, you know, once once the pandemic hit and there was a little bit of a lull, when you were sending people out to the, the homes, were they going out to the homes by themselves? You know, because I know that they have lock boxes and things like that. So some people are able to go and do that. So did you push that more, you know, just to keep from being in contact with people? And then, you know, what was the process there? No, actually, I actually took all my clients out to, okay. to homes with them. Yeah, we just, you know, we wore the mask, we social distanced, we did the things that were required. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to serve, I'm here to help. And I can't help people if I'm not there. So, and, and you know, they, they get to a house and things that sometimes you look at a house and you think something is a big deal. And I can, you know, point something out and say, you know, that's not a big deal. That's paint. You know, you can easily paint that paint over that house over that particular color or paint that wall. And, and then they, they, they calm down, they realize that, yeah, you're right, it's just paint. Uh, but if I'm not there, I can't do that. So I always go with buyers to look at houses, even, even if it's a, an open door home or Zillow home that have combo combination codes that the, the buyer could actually go in themselves. I always go and meet my buyers and walk homes with them. That's very important. To, 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 that's the serving side of real estate. That's right. That's right. It's like you said, there, there's so much, there's so much personal, you know, and, you know, in addition to the business aspect, there is that, that those personal touches, those are the things that make the difference. So of course, when we talk about the uh, people going in and seeing the homes and we talk about COVID, were there particular standards that you all set for people who were showing those homes, like making sure that they were properly sanitized? Were there things that had to come into place there? Because I mean, I'm sure that those conversations had to come up with those who were going to, to see, uh, you know, still wanted to go out and view the homes. You know, how were you guaranteeing them that they were being sanitized, you know, if people were coming in and out of them? Right. So on, and, and homes I had listed, and, and even homes that I went into that were listed to show my buyers, uh, people had hand sanitizer at the front door. So you walk into a home at the front door, there was hand sanitizer. Uh, a lot of times there were wipes, there were uh, shoe covers uh, to cover your shoes. Oh, or we were asking people to, you know, remove their shoes if they didn't want to use shoe covers. So just, you know, as much as possible, as much cleanliness and you know, it's possible, you know, considering the fact that you're walking through someone's house. Uh, we did things like ask uh, the sellers to leave all the doors open. So mm -hmm. if the doors were open to every room and every bathroom, then the homeowner, the, the buyer or the agent didn't have to touch the door. So we were trying to eliminate or, you know, reduce the amount of touches to things like cabinet doors, pantries, bathroom doors and things like that. So we would leave those doors open, which normally, you know, we wouldn't, it didn't matter. We right. turn all the lights on. If you're home, turn all the lights on because that's one less thing that a person had to touch. That's what you see, and I didn't even think about that. That That's definitely something, you know, I was thinking more of like, yes, the sanitizing and the cleaning and the hand sanitizer, but absolutely the touches because yeah, people are going to want to touch the cabinet or they're going to want to open things and they want to look inside and see how big closets are and 
yeah, you're right. You don't think about how many touches actually take place when you're you doing those. No things. idea. You have no wow. idea until you until wow. the pandemic hits, and That's then you right. realize, oh my God, how many things do we touch when we go into a house? A lot. Right. A lot. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, you know, so just like I said, you have those things that are going on. You're having people slowly going back in and, and looking at houses. But then also as a result of the pandemic, of course, I said we talked about those little personal sides and personal touches and things of that nature. But now let's talk a little bit about the financial aspect, because now you had people who were getting loans. You have people who were getting, you know, for their businesses, you have people who were, you know, getting, uh, you know, stimulus checks and things like that. And so now people have a couple of extra dollars and some people are saying, hey, this may be a good time to look into investing into real estate. And, and what, uh, you know, did you see any of that in, in your, um, you know, in any of your clientele? Absolutely. So what happened was what we didn't see coming was so many people wanting to buy a home. So we had, we already had a, 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 a shortage, a inventory shortage of houses on the market. Mm -hmm. So we had more buyers out there looking already. We had investors looking and, you know, of course your eye buyers, which is your eye, uh, open doors and your uh, Zillow's and those companies. So you already had a lot of people in the marketplace looking to purchase homes. Now you have people, and and you know, even though a lot of people were laid off and didn't have jobs, it exploded in for us in real estate. All of a sudden, you put a house on the market and you got 20, 30 offers on one house. Wow. It went crazy. Wow. And so what happened when that happened, it it made people start uh offering bidding higher on homes. So say, for instance, if we had a house on the market that was listed for $250,000, $300,000, just say $300,000, uh -huh. you, got, you got 12, 15 offers on that house. Uh, most of us as realtors will call and say, hey, do you have any offers on the house? And, and if we say we have multiple offers, our buy, the buyers were starting above list price. Right. So they were offering. And so they started running the price of houses, housing up because they were outbidding each other. My. And this came, and this just came about from buyers wanting the house, and it's 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 still that way today, wow. unfortunately. Okay. It became a buyer frenzy out here, wow. um, even to the point where where new construction uh, used to be able to go to new construction. You pick a lot, you know, you go under contract. Well, unfortunately, in the housing market, lumber, all these things start going up, and so even new construction homes became. They start selling out quickly. Everything started going under contract and selling out very, very quickly. Yeah, which really, you know, made buyers have to look a lot longer, made agents have to work with buyers a lot longer. And so then we have to go back and start reassuring our buyers that, hey, hang in there. Don't give up. Right. Um, you know, there's a law of averages. If, if you put in enough offers, this is what I told my clients anyway, mm -hmm. if you put in enough offers, sooner or later, your number will come up. Sooner mm -hmm. or later, the house you want uh, will show up and you'll, and you'll win the bid. Mm -hmm. uh, I just believe in my heart, and this is what I tell my clients because I'm a person of faith, uh, is that I just truly believe what God has for you is for you. That's and right. if you, and if you, if you have faith that, you know, there's a house out there for you and you want the right house, you just don't want a home, a, a house, you want a home. Okay. So uh, when you don't get that home, then that wasn't your home. And so it's interesting that several of my buyers, when I told them that, 
when when the offer would when they wouldn't get the house and I would have to send the email saying that they selected another off a homeowner another offer they would say okay no worries that wasn't our house let's keep moving That's so right. it 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 gave them a sense of understanding that I'm going to get a house, but I'm going to get the house that's meant for me. And, and that's what happened every time they got the house that was meant for them. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And just like you said, it's, it's interesting that the whole dynamic, because, you know, that you hear, you hear things, it's a buyer's market, it's a seller's market. And, and, you know, for those who don't understand those terminologies so much, tell us a little bit about, you know, what it means when it's a, a buyer's or a seller's market. So right now we're in a seller's market. And it's a supply and demand uh, situation. So when the supply is low and the demand is high, so for instance, we have a lot of buyers. So that's a high demand. Buyers want to buy homes. Very, a lot of people are not selling right now. Some people, they're like, I'm comfortable. I'm good. My interest rate, I'm not moving. Right. So we don't have enough homes to supply to the buyers who want to purchase a home. Mm -hmm. That makes it a seller's market, which means the advantage of uh is to the seller basically so whereas a seller would normally in the past let's just say in the past uh, probably when you bought your house kim um the the seller maybe contributed some money towards your closing costs because they were trying to get you to purchase their home mm -hmm. when you have very few homes and a whole lot of people who want those homes you don't have to give out those incentives right. so today because we're in a seller's market Sellers are getting more above list price, above asking for their homes to begin with. Let's start there. They're not paying any closing costs because they don't need to. These buyers are paying their own closing costs, which closing costs is a buyer cost. Let's just get that. I have to explain this to buyers and I've been doing this for years. Yes. They'll go, well, I want them to pay my closing costs. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. that's their cost for getting the loan and uh, closing costs for the closing attorney. All those costs, is it belongs to the buyer mm -hmm. for purchasing a home. But when, when you're in a buyer's market and, and you have a ton of houses and you want to incent somebody to buy your home, then you pay things like closing costs, you give them a home warranty, you know, you do all of these things. And that's what we had been used to for so long as, uh, because for so long we were in a buyer's market. Right. We were in a buyer's market until the market crashed in 2008. Wow. Yeah. And so now that's not the same market anymore. So I have to re-educate buyers when they come to me and say, well, my, my mom bought a house 10 years ago and she got closing costs or my cousin bought a house and they got closing costs. Well, they were in a buyer's market. This is a seller's market. Sellers are not giving you anything because they don't have to. Right. Just like you're saying, you they're going to they sell it to the other person. That's right. right. And I, I'm thinking about when I bought my house, they had so many little governmental programs. If you right. did the program and they offered you earnest and, you know, they, if you sat through the seminar, they offered you earnest money to mm -hmm. put down on the house and things of that nature. But now that makes sense. That makes sense that if, if there isn't the incentive, uh, you know, needed because, you know, there's not that much of a, you know, there's not such a pool for people to choose from. Right. That that makes sense. So I'm, I'm glad the point that you just mentioned uh, about the incentive in the programs. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, would do down payment assistance programs or they'll do a NACA program. And unfortunately, when you're in a seller's market and you put your house on the market and you got 10, you have 10 buyers, 10 offers on your home, you're going to go with the strongest offer. So unfortunately, I've had to tell people if you need down payment assistance, this is probably not a good time to buy a house because Unless your house, unless your offer is the only offer they have, they're, they're not going to consider you as a strong buyer. 
If you're asking for closing costs, they're not going to consider you a strong buyer. So sellers are going to go with the person who can purchase their home, who can put their own down payment money down, who can submit their earnest money, who can pay their own closing costs, uh, who, who's not asking for anything short of just some repairs during the due diligence period. That's pretty much all sellers are doing today. Wow. Actually, yeah. That's good to know because, you know, when I, when I think about that, I'm like, well, how do they determine who was the best person to buy, you know, who was the best buyer? You know, cause you're saying well, you've got all these offers, so everybody qualifies. So how do you figure it out? And I mean, I guess, yeah. Yeah, you do, it's conventional versus FHA versus VA. It's how much are you, you know, so conventional loan, you could put 3% down. Some people can put, put 5% down. There are people who put 20% down. And let's not forget about the cash buyers also. There are yeah. buyers out here who are paying cash. For homes, you, we have a lot of people coming from up north, from California, from New York. They sold a house there, and and when they sold the house there, they got enough money to pay cash for a house in Atlanta because our market, our homes are cheap or less expensive, I should say. Yes. Our homes are, are less more affordable. Wow. So, uh, I mean, you can't compete with with a cash buyer. You know, that's that's they don't have to worry about appraisal contingencies. Right. They don't have to worry about any of those things. So, right. you know, a lot of times you'll have an, you know, I, I know I had a client, I had a seller. We had 20 offers. Wow. We had three cash offers. Wow. We had like five conventional loan, you know, offers. We had, you know, so many FHA, a couple of VA. Um, so the first thing a seller looks for is, you know, is this loan going to close? If it's cash, you don't have to worry about right. a loan. You don't have to worry about if it something happens in the loan process, if the borrower can't get their loan processed or, right. you know, completed. So um, when you're talking about cash and then, and, you know, right now, because they're offering over, here's another problem they cause. If a, if a home is listed for 300 and that's what's selling in the neighborhood is 300 and now people are offering 340, 350, they're going 40 and $50,000 above the, above the market value, right. right? Right. If you're paying cash, don't matter. If you want that house and you want to pay cash for it, because no appraisal is required when you are paying cash. Wow. And believe it or not, there are people who were willing to pay twenty dollars and $30,000 above the list price to get a home. And because they were paying cash, it just upped the uh, market value for that neighborhood. Wow. That's what it did. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of that. And, and I mean, I know that they're individual buyers. Now, is there, is it also, when, when we talk about people who are buying houses, those people who are buying houses are, that are cash, are those people who are like going out and, and uh, I don't know, I, I mean, I don't know all of the terminology, but like wholesalers or people who are buying houses and flipping houses, are right. those people that are part, uh, I mean, are they part of the clientele as well? They are. You don't see a lot of people flipping right now because that's not, it's not a flip market. Mm -hmm. uh, people are buying and holding. So you have investors. So you have investors out here, they're paying cash because they do. Um, you have companies, so they'll pay cash and they'll get the house and they'll hold and they'll rent it out. A lot of, a lot of them are out here buying the homes to rent out because the rental market is up too, by the way, we, we talk about that a little bit later, but the rental market prices are up as well. Uh, there, there have been communities where new construction communities, and you may have heard this in the news, where, where the builder sold 40 or 50 homes to an investor in a brand new subdivision 
where buyers were, were uh, homeowners, owner occupants were buying homes to live in this community. And they sold 40, 50 homes to one investor who then turned around and rented every home out. Wow. Wow. And that's difficult because that's like you said, you're buying a home and then you have, uh, you know, you put into that mix people who are having people who are just looking for temporary housing or, or that are going to be a little bit more transient. And that right. definitely changes the dynamic of the community. Right. And, you know, I need to consider that, especially like you said, for, for brand new construction. Right. You know, so this is in a, a place that's just building up. It hasn't even established itself yet. And it's already become a rental type community. Right. And that's something we hadn't seen in the past. That That's a new dynamic that that has come into the marketplace that we had never seen that before. And so when I, I had a buyer who was actually purchasing a home in that community. And so, and we didn't know, of course, they didn't disclose that. Nobody's going to disclose that, but we found out by, you know, just asking questions. And so when I went to the sales uh, person and said to them, you know, you know, why is the builder doing that? Well, come to find out the builder during the pandemic, they thought that nobody was going to be buying houses. So when this investor came to them with this proposal, rather than for them to get stuck with all these homes, they took the deal with the investor, not realizing that the market was going to continue to, um, to, to be as great and as strong as it was, as it, as it is right now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So like I said, just like I said, you, you don't even see these things coming. You do not. You do not see them coming. And just like you said, if you don't ask the question, if you're not there boots on the ground, if you're not there asking the questions, like you said, then people don't know they're going and buying uh, blindly. And I think that's important. You know, you see so many little signs that just say, you know, we buy houses or we sell houses or things like that. And, and, and it speaks to the importance of having a real estate agent, having someone who knows these ebbs and flows that you speak about, that knows the market, that knows when it's a buyer's market and when it's a seller's market and knows how to navigate in that space. So I think that it's important to have somebody who can educate people on being able to, to you know, do these real estate investments. Because, you know, sometimes people get money in their hands and it, you know, it, the hands get itchy and it's like, okay, I just, I just want something. I want to invest in something. And, and people are being told in more recent years to invest in properties. And that it's important to, to do that and to, and to legacy build and to, and to make sure that you are leaving, you know, tangible things for, you know, to pass on to, you know, the generations behind you. So, you know, I'm sure that that's, uh, you know, that's definitely something, you know, to contend with. Okay. Yeah, so I guess that we, we, we've talked about the, the, uh, you know, the uh, investing and we've talked about, you know, people, you know, how that whole dynamic goes of, of, of choosing who gets that house and, and, and how that dynamic can change and, and adding in investors and things of that nature. But now let's talk about, um, uh, there was one other thing that you mentioned that we said we were going to talk about uh, with- um, oh, Renters? With the renters, yes. With mm -hmm. the rental properties and things of, uh, like that. And then I, I, I don't even know if Airbnbs come into, into play and all of those types of things. Well, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, about that dynamic. Well, everybody, I mean, again, real estate is always a great investment. So you, so, and again, let's talk about, we're in, we're in Atlanta, Georgia. We're in the, the, the Mecca of the South. We're in the, 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 um, the move, movie industry is here. I mean, everybody wants to be here. So what you're have, so what we're seeing is 
everybody wants real estate in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Whether and, and a lot of them are people who just want to buy it, invest it again, turn into an Airbnb because mm -hmm. people are coming. You know, for shorter periods of time, people may come here working on the movie for you know a couple of months or a couple of weeks, and they don't want to you know rent a, a house or a, an apartment. Yeah, They're only going to be here for a short period of time. So you have the Airbnb industry, you know that that segment of of the industry, of course, that works for people and it allows them to be in a home where they don't have to be in a um, a place like a, a hotel where they have to constantly eat out and those type things. So yeah, that's that's one one area. And then again, we have, I, I tell you, I've, as a listing agent, having homes on the market, I've gotten offers. These hedge funds got tons of money. I mean, these, these people send offers over with verification of funds in the millions of dollars because, and they're just trying to buy up everything in Metro Atlanta. I've gotten uh, investors from China uh, wow. trying to buy up. I mean, they're from everywhere. They're literally, they're from everywhere. And so then you also have the individuals like, you know, you and me who may want to say, Hey, I want to buy a house so I can, you know, rent it out or put it on the Airbnb as well. But wow. unless you have cash, I mean, cash is king and cash is killing the market in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so these, for these little small investors who are just trying to get started, I, you know, I'm trying to, you know, keep their spirits up. But the, the reality is, you know, you may want to buy some real estate in another market other than Atlanta. Ah. Yeah, because it's ah. very competitive here, extremely. And you're, you're playing with some pretty big fish because they have a lot of money, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And that's good to know because that's what, just like you're saying, the, the average person like myself who just says, well, you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to get a second home. I want to have, you know, another property that I can rent out and, and, you know, and use it as an investment property or, you know, as a means of bringing in another stream of income, Right. you know, for a person like me, I, I guess that, that, that would be the, the thought. You know, it's this is this is a a huge market. Just like you said, it's a very competitive market. Very so, much. in instances like that, instead of looking inner city, is it more is it better for them to look on the outskirts, or is it just as competitive there? It's just as competitive there. In in Metro Atlanta, when you're talking about all the counties in Metro Atlanta, they're very competitive everywhere. Uh, most I'm I'm getting requests for 40 and 50 miles outside of Atlanta. They're looking for homes. Investors are. I mean, they're even contacting us as realtors going, hey, do you have any pocket listings? Do you have any listings coming on the market? Uh, if you, you know, if you let my client buy them, we'll give you the commission. Well, I have clients that need houses. So right. my heart, you know, my heart is home ownership. So right. I'm always looking out for, and I, and I try to encourage, you know, of course, I, I always want to do what's best for my sellers if I'm the listing agent on their home. But I try to encourage those sellers if, if possible to sell those homes to an owner occupant, because again, interest rates are so very good for wow. people who want to buy their first or second home. Mm -hmm. And it's a great opportunity for them. But if you can't get a home because you're constantly losing out to an investor wow. who don't get me wrong, I'm okay with investing in real estate. I'm, I, I have some real estate investment myself. Wow. Um, but I think it's, it's hard for homeowners right now to try to find a home and uh, with all the competition that's out here. And right now for them, it's it's great because interest rates are like 3.13%. .3%. It's a great time to be a homeowner and yeah. buy a home. Why? If you can like, find one. If you can find one, why? You're just like, oh, you know, this is, and I guess that's, that, that's what makes it so competitive and that's what makes it so challenging. Right. And, um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, 
again, the small time, uh, you know, home buyer who was, who was out there trying to, trying to, you know, establish people who are having to relocate people right. who are coming, you know, from out of state and are moving into the Atlanta area because things are booming or maybe booming in, in the, uh, you know, financial markets or in, you know, businesses, they're building factories and, and companies here and basing them here in the Atlanta area. And people are needing to move into these areas too. So I, I'm sure it's hard pressed for those who, who own businesses or, or organizations who have to turn around and, and pay housing or relocation costs for people who are coming in. I'm sure they're in that mix as well, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And the other, the other challenge is um, it, it's pushed the price point in our, in our metro area up. Uh, so the first time home buyers, you know, we used to have first time home buyer, $150,000, $200,000 homes, you can get one. Today, because the increase in the market value due to overbidding, uh, you know, $300,000 is pretty much where you need to start when you're looking at purchasing a home. I mean, so that, that kind of excludes some people who, yeah. who can't afford a home in that price point right now. So I do believe in, in everyone's confident that it'll readjust eventually, but right now that's just kind of where we are. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be easy to find out, you know, somebody wanted a $300,000 house, like, okay, great. Yeah, I can go out and find you something. But now, I mean, even investors have increased their dollar value. They used to want things under 200,000. Now they, mm -hmm. they've gone up to 400,000. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, just like you say, it's, a, it, it's definitely a challenge. It's definitely, um, not not as easy as it as it appears and so it's like you said the market has taken a change you know a dramatic change from the crash you yes. know and 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 the hope like you said is that at some point we'll be able to you know have things start to begin to level off because it also makes it challenging for those who own own these homes and they're paying those prices then we're seeing uh you know higher rates like you said for our um taxes Right. on homes absolutely and that becomes a challenge as well you know like I said I've been in my house for 24 years and so you know I think in more recent years you know I used to always be able to say hey I know I'm going to get an escrow check this year and now I was like mm, I got my fingers crossed hoping I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm like please no don't let that you know let that be escrow check and not a bill you know right and so so those are the challenges that that are faced in in the market as well Right. The other the other challenge, Kim, I didn't mention too, was the 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 buyer who has a home to sell. Mm -hmm. You know, before I could just put your house on the market and mm -hmm. then go find you a home. Well, mm -hmm. right now I can't. If I have a buyer, if I have a person who wants to buy a home who mm -hmm. has a home to sell, uh -huh. I can't put their house on the market until I find them a home, because mm -hmm. the challenge is in finding them a home. Right. Their house is going to sell. Right. I'm not concerned about that because right. we need inventory. So that that also holds off the number of people, homes that are on the market because we have people who would love to sell their homes, right. but they're having problems buying, finding a home to move into. So right. until we can find them a home to move into, we can't even put their home on the market. Yeah, it's a catch-22. So it's like, it's catch-22, <laughs> absolutely. Wow, I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but you do hear about that. You hear about people who, have, you know, they're like, they're paying on both because they, they were ready to move and then, you know, and then they, their house sold and they were like, well, we really didn't find another one. So now we, it, it just becomes, 
it becomes a big challenge. It, it's a big, you challenge. know, it, it, it's 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 a tough game, and there are a lot lots of twists and turns that are taking place in that. So, yeah. so what's what's a little way of hope that we can give? I have a couple of sellers who decided to go ahead and put their high on the market since the market is doing so well, and they just moved into an apartment, and they said we'll ride that out until the until the buying side gets better. Yeah. So there are a couple of people, you know, everybody can't do that. And everybody, not everyone wants to move into an apartment uh, to even temporarily. Um, but the, the, the ray of hope is that um, things are, things are starting to, to slow down. I mean, a little, few buyers are, or a lot of buyers are going, Hey, I'm just going to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe until next year, you know, school is getting ready to start back in, in right. metro area in August. So we've noticed everybody I've talked to lenders. We've all noticed a little bit of slowing down a little bit, um, which will, if you take a few buyers out of the market and uh-huh. then you put a few more listings on the market, you know, it'll start to, I'm not gonna say really balance, but I think you'll have more people who really have to move because mm-hmm. there's there's those people who want to move and then those people who, who have to move. Again, right. like you said, people who relocated, right. you know, had to move for job purposes. Mm-hmm. Then you have people who, I would like to, you know, buy a house, but I don't have to buy one this year. Right. So some of them are just taking a, a wait and see. They wait until next year. I've had clients even ask me, you know, just be honest with me, Rapunzel, do you think it's a good time to buy a house? And because they were, because of where their price point was, mm-hmm. I told them it would be very challenging for you to find a house right now. So right. yeah, I would just wait. Right. Uh, and, and, and they were good with that. Yeah, and that's the honesty. And then you talk about, you know, we talk about cash being king. And so, you know, with people getting getting some of the stimulus money and and you know, invest your money so that that way your money is 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 making money for you so that you can be a little bit more of a, you know, uh, a a competitor when you're talking about this game of real estate, because just like you said, cash is king. So the more that you're working on building your your uh, you know, your liquid assets, I guess the, the better your chances are going to be. So, I mean, that, that's some good information to know. Sometimes, you know, patience pays off. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's something that'll be beneficial. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's just a lot of information. It's, <laughs> but it's good information. It's, it's honest good. information. Yes. It's letting people know what's out there and what the challenges are and some of the things that they, they may face when they're talking about about, you know, buying and selling when they're talking about, you know, gaining property, what the, what, you know, what the chances of being able to, to successfully find something in, in certain areas, because just like you said, there may be areas across the country that may be, you know, not necessarily a seller's market. Now, when we talk about seller's market, is that across the country or is it just in, in a particular area? It's across the country right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I every every agent. I went to a real estate conference in <clears throat> April, May, mm-hmm. and every agent across the country. But we knew this already. But mm-hmm. every agent across the country are dealing with the same. Whether it's California, New York, Georgia, Florida, you know, Arizona, Texas, everywhere. It's across mm-hmm. the country. Everywhere. Because because of the shortage in housing, that's a across the country issue that we have. Right. And just like you said, with the building materials and everything else like that you know, and those prices going up there. And again, lies the challenge, like you were talking about the gentleman who, you know, didn't want to risk, you know, being stuck with all these houses. And I'm sure having his, having spent millions of dollars in, in lumber and, and other mm-hmm. things like that, those are all things that, that are, are part of, you know, of the cost analysis of being able to, to build that home and then, 
you know, the land and everything, everything is creeping up. So, you know, it's definitely going to be a wait and see. But I think that it's important for people to remember that, you know, going to a reputable, reputable real estate agent and, and getting, you know, sound information and not going to, you know, the person down the street or that's what I wanted to mention. The people who are calling constantly, I get calls two and three times a day. You know, do you want to sell your property? Uh, you know, I'll pay cash for your house. What is that all about? Those are investors. Those are investors who want your home. They don't want you to call me to list it. They want to just buy it. They don't want it. What they're trying to avoid is competition. Gotcha. So they're trying to avoid you putting it on the market because once you put it on the market, you're going to go with the highest bidder. That's you're going to go with the highest offer you get, which makes sense, right? right. So what they what they feel is if we can get you to sell your house to us directly, just like, again, Open Door, Zillow, those people buy your homes before they go on the market. Mm. They don't want you to put it, put your homes on the market. They want you to sell it directly to them, Mark Spain, all those guys. And then what they do, they turn right back around. So what they're going to do is purchase it from you for a lot less, right? Right, and then right. then they're gonna because they have a number. They already know what they have, to, what they can pay you for that house, and right. then they're gonna put it right back on the market and then uh, sell it for a higher amount. So they, even if they get thirty, forty thousand dollars, even twenty thousand dollars, that's a that's a plus for them. Right. So they but because you're willing to sell it directly to them and they can close you in twenty one days, you're gonna lose equity, and right. a lot of people are willing to give that up so that they don't have to worry about you know, getting their house ready to go on the market. They don't want to have to have people come through their house and, and, and they don't have to keep their house clean and they don't want to have to do any repairs before right. they put the house on the market. So they'll go to one of those companies. Well, the truth of the matter, Kim, is $5,000 of some pain and some, you know, some repairs. It may not even be that much, but I'm just saying, could right. net you an additional $10,000, dollars $20,000 of equity in your house just by making those little small changes. Wow. I always tell sellers paint and, and 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 flooring, which carpet, most of the time people need to switch out to new carpet. Those are the two main things that make a huge impact on um, how quickly you sell your house and how much you sell your house for. Wow. And you always get that back. You always get, and, and some actually. So See? those are two things you definitely would want to do. Absolutely. And that's good. I'm glad that we talked about that because, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are people, I'm sure that many of our listeners are getting that. They're getting those consistent phone calls and you want to make sure that that you're putting yourself in a position to get the maximum for the investment that you made if you're a person who is looking to sell your house. And, and then also being able to put you in a position to, to be able to make a, a stronger bid when it comes to buying a new house or moving into a, a you know, a second or a third home. Okay, so that that's some great information that you share with us, Rapunzel. I think that it's been been uh, you know a good lesson in 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 learning uh, a lot about uh, real estate and what that whole dynamic is all about. Okay, so I know we're getting close to the wrap up time. So you know what I always ask all of my guests, uh, you know, before we close out is you know during this pandemic. It's always important, and I'm sure that it's been a challenge for you, like I said, to, to constantly be out there, to constantly be moving and shaking, to make sure that you're getting the best deals for your clients, you know, but you also have to do some things for you as well. And I'm sure it's been a stressful time for you as you were going through some of the transitions that were taking place. What are some of the things that you do in the now to, you know, to, to keep you focused and keep you centered? 
So what I do in the now is uh, I had to put myself first, Kim, because I found myself, you know, you can work, 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 work. Um, and, and, but if you're not rejuvenating yourself, you can wear yourself out. So I work out. So I, I love the Silver Comet Trail. So I do five, mi five miles on the Silver Comet Trail about four to five times a week. Okay. And I, something I kind of got away from that I just started back doing too is getting massages. I have a great massage therapist and uh, she came over last week and I, I, I don't even know why I stopped, but I tell you what, that was a, that was a well needed, well deserved massage. And so I've gotten back on her schedule <laughs> monthly. So yeah. I've incorporated that back. And that's, that's the thing, you know, in real estate, I, I also take a 24 hour, what I call a 24 hour shutdown. So one day a month, and I used to do this before the pandemic, okay. uh, one day a month, uh, I would check into a hotel, nice. turn off my cell phone, computers, no, no husband, no kids, no friends, no one, just Rapunzel. Yes. And I would just shut down for 24 hours yes. and just, you know, watch movies, read magazines, read a book, listen to a, a audible, whatever. Right. For 24 hours in that hotel room, it's just me and God and myself. And, and when I tell you that's, it, it's the peace that passes all understanding. Okay. Okay. Is. I'm okay. telling you, it's the best 24 hours of my life. Yes. The next day I'm up, I turn my phone back on and I'm back to moving and I'm back shaking and, yes. and it feels great. Right. It, it feels great to do that. That's yeah. it. I think it's so important for us to be able to get to a place where we can reset. Right. And just like you said, for some people, it's going to be their home. That's right. some people's place of solace. Mm -hmm. You know, some people may, may not be able to get away to a hotel, but to right. be able to go into a room and lock that door. Exactly. And just like, you know, and for some people just going on the deck for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I mean, any, any little time you can get away, I think for you, yes. for yourself, I yes. think it's, it's valuable. Yes. Because I'm talking to people all the time, all the time, every day. That's the reason why I, and you know, I have the ability to go to a hotel and I do that yes. thing. You know, I'm, I'm happy I can do that, but I do that because I talk to people so much all the time that I don't even want to talk to anybody for just for one day. It's just right. one day. It's That's right. Day. That's right. I love that. I love that because it's, it's so necessary. Right. And, and, you know, we always try to make sure that, that we let our listeners know that there are ways that, you know, even in this busy world, even in all the things that are going on around us, that we always take time for us. We always take time, you know, to, to show people that, you know, it's important to do that. And like you said, even if it's just for 24 hours in a month, it makes a difference. It's something to look forward to. It's something to work toward so that, you know, you can have the, the finances to be able to do that. Or when right. you're looking at that house and you say, when I have that blue saw time, you know, I may want to have a big backyard so I can go out and, and ground myself and walk barefoot in the grass. So I can go and have a, a, a porch so that I can go and sit out there and enjoy a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and just sit and, and you know, be a part of nature. All of those things are, you know, again, part of a, of a home and, and, and what you make it. So, right. you know, I love that you've come and shared all of these terminologies and all these things that are going on, all things real estate with us. We appreciate you being here for sharing how you are living in this now and how you're navigating in this space. So I thank you so much for, for being here and for, for taking time to share with us. Now, before thank we go, thank you for having me, Kim. My I really pleasure, appreciate honey. It. My pleasure. So let's talk, talk, 
talk to our audience about how they can get in contact with you. Well, I'm, again, I'm Rapunzel Morris and I'm with Remax Unlimited. Uh, you can reach me um, my, um, at Rapunzel. My email, I guess, is Rapunzel, under, Rapunzel Morris, and that's R-E-P-O-N-Z-E-L-L Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S, at Remax.net, N-E-T. Uh, of course, you can call me. I'd love to hear from you. My number, cell number is 678-758-9193. 678-758-9193. And of course, you can look me up at RapunzelSalesAtlanta.com. It's my website, RapunzelSalesAtlanta.com. Atlanta.com. Okay, so you have heard it here. Okay, make sure you should reach out to Rapunzel and allow her to help you if you're looking to buy or sell a home or if you're just looking for some information or some first steps, I'm sure that she will be Happy to assist you in that process. Again, it's Rapunzel Morris at Remax.net. Her, her cell phone is 678-758-9193 or RapunzelSalesAtlanta.com. And with that, again, we thank you for being with us this evening, Rapunzel. I wish you the best in all that you continue to do. It's been our pleasure having you. And, you know, as things change, we may have you come back. So we hope you'll be willing to come back if that's possible. And I as love things you. change, and uh, you know, we'll we'll call it a wrap for this edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. Thanks again for being with us. And until we see you all again, I say peace. All right. Thank you.